the News podcast, a production of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette Newsroom. I'm Dave Perosic, your podcast host today. It's been two years now since the world began to shut down over the COVID-19 pandemic. And since then, the COVID vaccine has become a regular topic of discussion in the media and just in our daily interactions. Goodness knows it's been a topic more than once on this podcast. But uh, today, we're here to talk not about the COVID vaccine, but other vaccinations. And the concerning fact that uh, children are not getting their routine vaccines at the same rate as they once did pre-pandemic. In fact, Arkansas Department of Health data showed that in 2020 and 2021, people under 19 received about 250,000 fewer vaccines of all kinds excluding the COVID vaccine as compared to previous years. Our health reporter, Janelle Jessen, has a story running this weekend on that very topic. And among her sources for her story is Dr. Marty Sharkey, public health officer for the city of Fayetteville and a pediatrician. And she's joining me today to lend some of her insight. Dr. Sharkey, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, well, um, so just to uh, put some numbers out there to illustrate what we're discussing, um, last year in 2021, according to the data, about 1,030,000 vaccinations were administered to Arkansas kids. That's about a 17% drop compared to the number administered in 2019 and 15% below what was administered in 2018. Uh, again, COVID vaccines are not included in those numbers. Um, so, Dr. Sharkey, what kind of routine immunizations are we talking about that kids need to be getting? So there's really two sets of vaccines that children get. They get their newborn vaccines, which includes the familiar DTaP polio, rotavirus, Prevnar, Hib, the meningitis vaccines. Um, and then they get boosted of those with those vaccines prior to starting kindergarten. And then there's another round of vaccines that kids get as they enter adolescence. And those include meningitis, um, their tetanus and pertussis booster, and the HPV vaccine. Um, in addition, there, there's a few more, um, I said too, but there's really another round before going off to college, which includes um, another meningitis booster, and then just double checking that they're up to date on everything before before they leave home and enter adulthood. Right. Okay. Um, and this issue of kids missing their vaccinate, their routine vaccinations, uh, is not just an issue in Arkansas. Right, and this is a, a, a drop-off we've, it's been observed nationally. It's nationally and it's worldwide, um, which is really concerning. When we think back to the measles outbreak um, several years ago, you know, that was brought in you know, from an international flight into California. And then we saw pockets of it spread throughout the U.S. Um, in areas where there were low vaccination rates. So 
it is concerning, not just because it's we're low in the U.S., but also the drop off in in other nations. As as we have learned, um, every illness in the world is one flight away. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, so you've observed this trend firsthand. I'm assuming as practicing pediatrician. Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's a couple reasons that we are seeing it locally. Number one is just missed well child appointments. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, spring of 2020, we were not seeing well ch- child appointments in the office. And so we were doing some of those appointments um over telehealth. Well, you can't give a vaccine over, over telehealth. We can kind of check in and make sure everything's going okay, but we can't do, do the immunizations. So those were missed vaccination opportunities. In addition, some people just skip their appointments altogether for that year. So we just had those, those missed opportunities and missed appointments just due to COVID, people staying away from the doctor's office, period, because they just were scared of, of coming in and being exposed. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Um, number two is just with the COVID vaccine hesitancy, that is spread to overall vaccine hesitancy in some groups. Um, and these were groups that were perhaps a little bit hesitant before and now are more anxious. Um, and then there are some groups that weren't vaccine hesitant before and now are questioning all vaccines, which is right to do, to understand what's going in your body and what you're, what um, we are preventing in your ch- child. Um, however, once we see, everybody's now familiar with the term herd immunity. When we see those our herd immunity drop, that makes an opportunity, gives viruses and bacteria opportunity to, to enter a community. And then we've also seen the third reason is just vaccine fatigue. Um, so say a parent took their... 11 year old into one of the vaccine clinics at a pharmacy or a vaccine event and got their COVID vaccines, they figured they were all up to date. Well, when you do that, when you don't go to your primary care provider to get your vaccines, you're just going to get the vaccines you asked for. They are not double checking your vaccination record and saying, oh, by the way, you are due this 11 year old, for instance, is due for their tetanus and pertussis booster and their meningitis booster as well. So those are, again, missed vaccination opportunities by not getting your vaccine from your primary care provider. Now that was necessary during the pandemic, um, but now it's time to get back in and and get everybody up to date. And finally, the fourth reason we're seeing it is kind of the last stop gap measure that parents and doctors and public health rely on to make sure that kids are up to date is the school nurses. You know, usually at the beginning of school, they're coming through those vaccination records, notifying those families that are delinquent and, you know, sending out letters usually October 1st, hey, you have 10 days to get your kid fully vaccinated or they can't come to school. School nurses didn't have time to do that the past several years. Mm-hmm. They were overwhelmed. So they're just now starting to to get back to their 
that primary work um, now that they don't have to deal so much with mask wearing and contact tracing and the like. So those are really the four main reasons that um, we are seeing those, what, 250,000 doses. It's a lot of missed vaccine um, just in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <clears throat> I read, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of over 11 million nationwide uh, per year. But uh, you touched on COVID, uh, or sorry, vaccine hesitancy. Mm -hmm. um, what do you tell parents who express these kinds of fears and concerns to you? And yeah. How do you respond to that? That number one, and this is most important, the risk of the illnesses are much greater than the side effects of the vaccines. We have given literally of all the vaccines on the market, including COVID now, millions and billions of doses <laughs> worldwide. Um, we, are, we know they're safe. We know they're effective. We know they're side effects. Um, we know that you may have a little bit of fever and an achy arm, and some may make your child really fussy. Um, sometimes there's a very rare occasion there we see platelet levels drop um, transiently in some kids. We do know that there are these potential side effects. However, the risk of the illness and contracting it far outweigh those. Um, so that that is number one. And number two, I tell all my patients, I would never ask you to do to your child what I do to mine and all, and my children have been fully vaccinated with, with all of the, the vaccines that are required and that are recommended. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking it might be helpful if you could just kind of take a minute to explain just how vaccines work. I mean, yeah. I'd be... Absolutely. So the way vaccines work is historically, you know, you were given a small dose of a weaker form of the virus or bacteria. So for instance, going back to the first vaccine, smallpox, um, they were given um, cowpox, which was a variant of the smallpox virus that was caused milder illness. So you're exposing your body and your immune system to something similar um, to, to the virus or bacteria in question so that your body produces antibodies and cellular immunity to that virus or bacteria. And then the next time, if you're exposed to that, you will have an, an immune response and ward off, if not infection, um, completely at least severe disease. So that's kind of the very, very basics of it. Nowadays, we've gotten much more um, sophisticated in our vaccines. Um, instead of, for instance, the old smallpox vaccine, which I was actually one of the last ones to receive. They stopped vaccinating um, against smallpox in 1969 in the U.S. Um, they actually, it was just ground up cowpox vaccine that was kind of jabbed into your arm. Um, and it wasn't just one needle, it was multiple needles. And um, that's why you sell those smallpox scars um, or see them on some people. Um, 
So you were, you were given the whole thing. Nowadays, for instance, um, with many of the vaccines, you're giving one single antigen. So one single protein of the virus or bacteria in question in order to mount an immune response to that. Um, and then with the mRNA vaccines, which are a whole new category, um, your body's actually induced to make the foreign um, protein so that your body will make an immune response to it. So we've come a long way from really rudimentary um, vaccines to very sophisticated and purified vaccines. And one, one of the common things we hear in pediatrics is like, we don't want to overwhelm our child's immune system. Well, because of the way the vaccines are made now, so purified with just one or two foreign antigens per vaccine, the kind of dogma is that, you know, Everybody knows that sandboxes are kind of gross, but if your child plays in a sandbox, they're going to be exposed to more foreign antigens in that sandbox than with their vaccines. So they're not going to overwhelm your child's immune system. And we've seen, you know, very effective at preventing severe illness. Any other potential impacts for kids who don't get the vaccinations that medical professionals recommend for them. And, and why is this an issue that everybody should care about? Yeah. So, well, number one, um, it puts them at risk for severe, severe illness. Um, you know, let's, you know, meningitis, um, meningococcal meningitis. Um, with this illness, for instance, 10% of people who contract it, if they're unvaccinated, will die, will succumb to meningitis, no matter how quickly they get to the doctor and how quickly we administer the appropriate vaccines. So they, very severe illnesses that we're talking about, too very contagious. Um, and it's going to, if we don't keep those herd immunities up, we will see the vaccine, the, viruses or bacteria start spreading in our communities and seeing like we did with COVID our most vulnerable uh, members of our civilization start to succumb to it. So we vaccinate to protect ourselves and our children, but also our loved ones in our community. Um, Is there anything else that you want to add? on this topic at all. I feel like um, uh, any other any other things that you didn't get a chance to talk about? Just, you know, really the importance of sitting down if you have any questions or concerns um, with your pediatrician or your primary care provider to review. Um, this is what we do as pediatricians. <laughs> you know, we, the public right now has kind of just kind of gotten on the bandwagon the past two years, but this is this is our bread and butter. Um, and we've dealt with this um, before. Um, we saw a lot of hesitancy and vaccine questioning um, with the MMR and autism um, controversy that came up that ended up being absolutely no correlation between the MMR vaccine vaccine and autism. Um, and we had to prove it to the world with 
not just once, but twice with very thorough testing and analysis of all the data out there that there absolutely is no correlation between MMR and autism. And then we had to slowly regain the public's trust um, and overcome that misinformation. And we did it. Um, we've done it before and we're going to do it this time. And one thing that we saw with that is once the spotlight wasn't glaring um, on the issue, parents, and they weren't being constantly fed the misinformation on social media and the web and the news, that they came around. And I'm very hopeful that with all of our vaccines and with the COVID vaccine, once everybody kind of takes a collective deep breath, which I think we're doing right now, that we will continue to get these kids, um, everybody's vaccines caught back up and we will get our COVID vaccination rates up as well. Great, great. Well, uh, that's Dr. Marty Sharkey, uh, pediatrician and public health officer for the city of Fayetteville. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and lending your expertise on this. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always to talk to you. Have a good day. You too. Again, you can read Janelle Jessen's story on vaccines this weekend. I wanna tell you about just a few of the other things you'll find in the paper this weekend. The city of Benville just received a grant of more than $700,000 from the Walden Family Foundation to pay for additional fire department personnel to respond to emergencies on city trails. Benville City reporter Mike Jones will have the story on the significance of that grant. And the city of Fayetteville is struggling to hire and retain a sufficient number of dispatchers. Find out more about that and what the city has in mind to do about it in a story our Fayetteville reporter Stacy Ryburn has coming for you. And dipping into the River Valley, reporter Monica Brick will be covering a celebration this Sunday of the Community School of the Arts, raising $7.5 million toward a new facility. The school provides instruction in music, theater, dance, and visual art to children and adults. And in Greenwood, Mayor Doug Kinslow gave his 2022 State of the City address this week in which he highlighted the city's growth, looking both at the past and into the future. Reporter Thomas Asente will have that story for us. In sports, we'll have coverage of the Razorback men's basketball team as it begins play in the SEC tournament in Tampa, Florida, starting with the showdown with LSU on Friday afternoon. Our feature staff also has plenty for you this weekend. In our What's Up section this Sunday, Monica Hooper has a story on the 2022-23 Broadway season at the Walton Arts Center, which kicks off in August with My Fair Lady. Becca Martin-Brown will tell you about an upcoming performance in Eureka Springs of two veterans of opera in the Ozarks. Becca also has a story on the University of Arkansas Fort Smith's stage production of Six Degrees of Separation, which runs March 16th to 19th. Again, that's just a sampling of what we've got planned for our readers this weekend. If you're not a subscriber, don't miss out on any of this great content. Just hit the subscribe button on our website, nwaonline.com, or call us at 479-684-5509. 
If you like our weekly podcast, please subscribe. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button on your device right now. Thank you for listening. Until next week, this is Dave Perosic signing off for Know the News. Take care, everybody.